Dulcified took the lead at the 200 in second placing Arbrashane under the whip. Worry symbol trying to get up on the rails and Valley of Georgia battling on with double century can't win. Dulcified just the leader near the line from Arbrashane and Dulcified won it. One by a Prolific's run of the front, Beechcraft end on the outside, Beechabell coming at him, but Prolific, he's outsmarted them, the boy, and it's the Gouch going to the line. Weekend Hustle's looking good at the 200. He opened up the margin. He's two lengths a reader. Like Fantastic can't get there. Hail a real champion at the 100. Weekend Hustler by three. Sarita holding second, but Weekend Hustler all too good. Beats Sarita easily. Lectorio. Heart of Dreams got up level with Vigor. Here comes Shocking on the outside. Vigor, Heart of Dreams and Shocking. Shocking racing up to Heart of Dreams and Vigor. Shocking the cup winner. What a great performance. Shocking wins it by a half Heart of Dreams. They come towards the 200 metre mark now and the runs come, Faulkner out after entirely platinum who'd gone to the lead, Rising Romance getting a run through, it's entirely platinum tackled by Faulkner then Rising Romance and Happy Trails and Boban getting a late split, Faulkner hit the front from Rising Romance, Faulkner in front near the line, Faulkner gets in jump from Rising Romance. Down the outside, single gaze and humidors presenting as well. Hartnell at the 300 metres moves up and takes Haydock, followed by Blackheart. Barton, humidor is launching. Hartnell below the 200. Humidor's a real threat. Hartnell joined and headed by Humidor. Humidor with a powerful run, sprints away. Oh, what a big spring coming up for Humidor. Bolts in. Hartnell sets. Now on PG Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie. G'day, thanks so much for getting our year-round carnival preview edition of Maccabi Diva Stakes Day. How good was it listening to some of those greats from yesteryear? What was it called? The Craig League Stakes and some fantastic, oh, not just uh, great horses, but great race calls of yesteryear from Bill Collins onwards. Good morning, Vince Cardi from Daily Sectionals. Good morning, Ralphie. All sounds good, Bill Collins. Wow. Oh. What a great. Uh, um, we've got a couple of really good horses running tomorrow, or quite a few, but it's also moving day. I reckon when I first started working with you, Vince, this was the day a little sprinter called Chautauqua emerged. So this is the day where uh, we, we get to find out how good some of these horses really are. Yeah, this is it's, it's always exciting. I'm so grateful we've got another year of it. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Flemington, the track's good. The weather's been perfect this week in Melbourne. Um, <laughs> how we expect it to play? Fastest horses win? 
generally speaking, that's the way, right? Little, <laughs> avoid the bad luck, and hopefully we're on the right ones, Ralphie. Well, they are now. Just, just as far as uh, lane bias is concerned, it's it's when the rail's back to true. Smaller fields, you get every chance up front, but in bigger fields, they can slingshot one. They can, Ralphie. Well, as you know, on pace leading typically around that 34%. And it's the same for the back markers. So the lanes are the critical ones. Probably, Ralphie, if anything, if I'm looking here at the Intel, uh, maybe the, the biggest negative appears to be if you're in lanes one to three. Hard defence. Yeah. All right. Well, the uh, the Maccabi Diva Stakes is the group one, so we'll start there. Uh, unfortunately, when we do the podcast, when when sorry, when we announce the podcast, we're not sure what the field's going to be. And in this case, it's pretty small. So it starts off with uh, Mr. Brightside being the tight favourite. He's just on fire. Alligator Blood, who was just pipped off in this race last year by uh, On Thunderstruck. Unfortunately, he'll fade it on Thunderstruck. And a couple of Chris Waller's good horses are starting to emerge as well. How are you seeing the pace in this race, firstly? Well, all the intel, Ralphie, sort of gives that indicator. Even though it's a really small field, Damien Oliver will be the key, in my view. And I don't believe he's one that wants to go fast. And Alligator Blake could go minus three, minus five. Or if he runs to the natural speed, at least benchmark. But I can't see it being fast. And it is going to help quite a few horses. Well, it is. Now, Mr. Brightside's favourite, rightly so. He's won two from two at Caulfield, but, geez, they were contrasting race shapes, weren't they, to Lawrence compared to the Memsey? Yeah. <sighs> Ralphie. It just shows his versatility, right? Yes. I mean, coming from first up, 2.4 above, plus six in the mid, minus 3.8 late, but then he turned around and went 6.7 below benchmark last start, first section. Excellent mid-race move, going three. Point two above and matched it over the last 400. He's got to be the star of the, of the campaign. I just said to myself after that second up run, he isn't going to lose any more races. <laughs> well, this is the thing. So last prep, third up. Now, now he started off by uh, running fifth in the in the all. He ran second to Alligator Blood in the uh, in the Futurity. These were both Sandown 1400. Third up, he exploded. He won the All-Star Mile. So tomorrow he's got that platform to explode third up. Of course, the All-Star Mile huge figure was in a very fast-paced race. But what's Alligator Blood have to do to be able to beat it tomorrow? I know finish in front of it, but as far as uh, race shape-wise, gee, I, I think he's, he has to be entitled to his ninety price, doesn't he? Well, I look at it like this. If we run slowly, then okay, who's got the biggest 400-metre sprint? Yes, Brightside, Mr. Brightside. Right. If they run with speed and it's sustained, that's probably Alligator's best chance of not getting beaten by as far. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's probably – but I don't see Damien doing that. Yes. Because no, he's he's such a sharp rider and it's just not in his characteristics. Well, maybe. Maybe he might just let it – let it explode. That would be interesting. That would be its only chance, Rolfie. Yep. So he's going to come out, you would think, uh, a much fitter horse. You did say that his trials were really sharp leading into last start. Now you've had a real chance to put your lens through what he did first up, Alligator Blood. How much improvement can you see there? 
oh, he's definitely going to improve at least two or three minimum. I do expect this horse to go very close to its PB, if not break, because all the indicators leading into that first up run was sort of suggesting from the way I was profiling the horse that we're set to see a seven-year-old runner potentially find a new PB. That's what all the intel was saying. And... Yeah, he, that 5.9 below benchmark first section, Rafi, that was a massive negative, but it's not a negative now. Right, so he's got that fitness. In front of it was Princess Grace, just behind Mr. Brightside, and in seventh position was Ossipenko, who who has got an ability to elevate him, and he ran a really uh, big figure when he was close up behind uh, Animo after winning uh, at Rose Hill earlier this year. Um, where are Chris Waller's horses on the grid in your eyes? Well, I do expect Ossipenko to really make a big step forward. And, and the key here has been for this particular runner on both runs. First up run, I mean, a shocker. 17.5 lengths below benchmark first section. It, it's barrier trial speed at best, Ralph. It was closer to hurdle pace. And then last start, 10 lengths below benchmark through that first section. There's no way it helped the horse. But on both occasions, the mid-race squeeze is what we like to see about Waller. How many times did you used to say it when we used to go to Crown Ralph? You'd put it up and you'd show people the images about how important it is and the way you were always identifying the Waller horses, by the way. <laughs> and they'd finish, uh, you know, four, three, five lengths from the winner. And, and you would say, okay, well, it's just, just a run. But the reality is they're huge. And, and, and there's no difference here. 13 and a half length mid-race squeeze last start and then still finished off with almost four lengths faster than the standard over the last 400 metres, giving you plenty of comfort. Oh, there's nothing wrong with the horse. Absolutely not. He's going to thrive on the step up to the 1600. The challenge is this, Rolfie. Whilst I do believe that this horse is absolutely set just based on this campaign versus last, he's trending two lengths above previous campaign. Now, he peaked last campaign with a 3.2, and he's trending to the five number. But that's not going to be enough to beat Mr. Brightside if it turns up and runs to that level. So we, we could talk forever. In this case, it just means, is, is there any, any reason that you think Mr. Brightside should lose tomorrow? Any logical reason? Obviously, anything can happen when the barriers open. Yeah, Mr. Start. <laughs> um, you never get out. I mean, I don't ever. Go, wow, look, I've seen strange things. Maybe the chaos uh, theory. Yeah, that could happen. Uh, now, anybody coming out of the ground, the only runner that I'm expecting some a big leap from is I'm, I am really keen to see this uh, Francesco Edguardi. I yeah, do expect so. a big, big improvement from that horse, but they're not going to match Mr. Brightside, Ralph. I have to stick to the guns. I'm disappointed, of course, with the price. Yep. I hope they back alligator blood heavily and therefore give us a sneaky opportunity to get on Brightside. All right. So that, that's that's it. We'll uh, we'll update any further thoughts tomorrow uh, when we do the, the little mini yep. pod. But this is this is also odds on, but this has got a lot more depth to the to the interest in, in, in uh, the puzzle. If you like the Let's Elope Stakes race eight, the second leg of the quaddy here. She's just a beauty, Amelia's jewel. She gets her chance in the eastern states. We you know, she she got a big boom on her very early and rightly so. Where does she fit on the grid here? We'll start off with your expected pace in the race because she has drawn wide, and under under those circumstances, race shape can come into it. Yeah, of course. Absolutely, and that's important. The reality is this is a, a good race where we're pretty much rubber stamping ourselves. There's going to be good pace. You have a look at the, the go-forward horses, Pride of Jenny, Papillon Club, uh, is it? 
tore Gene Roffey number 11. Yep. Sparkle possibly being part of that pack. That sort of guarantees us a good level of speed. And it, I, I can't see it going less than plus two. I really feel that we're on that on the minimum. Could they really shoot it and go plus four or five? Possibly. But I'm, I'm anchoring around that on the low, plus one, plus two range. Maximum on the hides, plus four or five. Now, of course, this is one area where you can always get it wrong. But I do feel unless a couple of those runners are scratched, we're going to have good pace. So this is unusual in that if you get your early edition of race speed profiles that you, you just uh, that we've sent to you along with this podcast, that um, BLP best last prep. There's actually three horses with nothing between them, yep. <laughs> even though Amelia's Jewel is a dominant runner. Now, of course, there's reasons for that, but we'll start off. So you've got Amelia's Jewel plus three point six best last prep, cast three point five, and prior to Jenny three point five. So there's nothing between the peak runs of those no. three horses, which is interesting. Well, and of course, and then even if you look at their their distance capabilities, they're all very, very uh, competent and got plenty of talent. The question's going to be, who's going to come out this campaign and take that next step? Well, Amelia's Jules trials have been like really sharp, Ralph. Like, yeah, put some meat on the bones there. What have yeah, you seen on the clock there? Very sharp. Like all the indicators, like even that last trial at Belmont on in a little bit of giving the ground, yep. very close to benchmark. Even the first one at Larkham, right, over 9.50, that was like only a length below. I mean, this this runner is very, very close to running like what it usually does first up, just off the trials. So therefore, if I then look that into a race, the horse generally finds two or three lengths off that. So I do have an expectation that I'm pinning this horse to turn up and run no less than 1.5 on the low, and we've got a hurdle rate of 1.6. Yep. And the more logical process, just giving you know some clean running and a, and a possibility of, I feel, definitely away from the fence, yep. there's, a, there's a big chance this horse is going to strike those four to seven. That's what I'm looking for in terms of lane patterns. And if that happens, could we see a PB first up? Well, won't be a surprise. <laughs> so yeah, you, you're saying that the tight price is entitled. Yes and no, no because it frustrates I mean, you personally. It, it's impossible for me at that right at the moment. But I I am hoping for a little bit of a drift. It's got the right rider, Ralphie. They they made all the right moves. They're going to be extremely hard horse to beat. And if they're going to put their hand up and take some gold away this campaign in in Victoria or Sydney. You know, they're going to have to turn up and deliver because there are a couple of potential horses here, but it looks like it's got them covered. Right. So when we said that the other two horses on their peak runs, uh, you know, are, are very similar here, we'll, we'll go through both of them. And yep. we'll start with Cast. I mean, this is a horse, we put a big stamp on her when we were doing this South Australian Sizzlers. Yep. And uh, she, she's just a nose between her and Royal Merchant. And uh, the clock just said, wow, these are both really good horses. Well, then Royal, Royal Merchant came out and won the Sangster, Group 1 level, and Cast won its next start too. Out for a spell, good jump outs leading in. Uh, what, what's your expectation level on her? Yeah, loaded with plenty of talent. The jump outs of Flemington have been sharp. I don't have a you know lockdown number on those on those jump outs, but the reality is this: this stable's like on fire, Ralphie. Yeah. They are absolutely on fire. 
and I actually feel strategically to come out and go first up 1400 is exactly the right medicine for this horse because I felt if they would have gone out first up 1200 meters negative 1400 to 1600 I'm not saying going 1600 first up but 1400 rock solid perfect they're going to get good pace which is also going to help this horse and another runner that's going to be a high probability of getting those lanes Ralphie so it's only going to be bad luck that's probably going to stop this horse from being in the finish well, well that's interesting in itself at uh, $12 range particularly if you're taking multis and the other one that I've mentioned already is Pride to Jenny now good barrier trial leading in she is the enigma of this horse because when she turns up she turns up at a very big level Yes, yeah, yeah, she's a spiker no, if you like. <laughs> she's, she's a big spiker, and we've seen it. Like we only have, we don't have to go back too far. You look at that Rose Hill performance. <laughs> what did <it> do there? <laughs> oh, wow, that was a you know that was stunning. I felt like second best performance of the day, three point five above. My view is this: you can't really see this in jump outs. Like jump outs are positive around that minus one three range. Yep. I'm not sure if this horse is coming back, Ralphie. That's why I need to see, even from this stable. I've seen these, this stable fail in the past when they've had a, a cooked horse. And what I mean by a cooked horse, a horse that's been, you know, overreached to the maximum possibility. And we, we don't have to go far there either. I mean, the 23.8 at Randwick is the one that probably rubber stamps it for me. But also... There's a possibility if you look at that Rose Hill run when it went 13.7 above second up, where it produced that phenomenal run. They're not they're not positive indicators for me. The reality is this though. Putting all that aside, I'm only making an assumption, right? Yep. I can't be certain that's going to be the case. We have to let it play out in real life and we're going to find this out on Saturday. If it didn't do that, then it's gonna it's gonna give everybody a big shake. It, uh, it, it, it's also, I think it's uh, before it went to Mar Eustace, in fact, there, there it is there. This, was it this race? I'm sure it was this race actually last uh, two years ago when it ran a plus two, 6.4 up front. Yep. So it, it's got that capability. It, it's a spiker, but it's got to, it's got to bring that aid game. The other horses in, in your in your most advantage, uh, just briefly, see you in heaven, South Australian uh visitor who's been here before and it's just a rock solid competitor well it is a rock solid competitor ralphie when you look at the profile with this particular horse i've cut of course this campaign that that first up run at morford when it won it was a it was a dead set 400 meter race ralphie 14.5 below for the first yeah. 400 meters that's slow 11.2 below benchmark between the eight and the four. So they only improved the speed by three lengths. So we're just getting like, it's what, what do they call them? Like those uh, rolling starts? Yeah, like yeah the that's what it was. And they said, <laughs> right, well, we're going to go with the 400. And okay, the last 400 was below benchmark. But the way I like to measure that was how big was the exertion? And I know that if you put almost a two-second exertion in over the last 400, you must be coming back very well. Of course, not a lot to defeat that day. And then turned up at Morphville Parks of 1,400. I love the fact that we've seen a, a genuine improvement in pace, like 10 lengths. Also maintained a good speed between the 8 and the 400. And I did expect, when I say I did, on the 
the finishing numbers, there's no surprise that the horse weakened, particularly over the last 200 metres. It lost almost three lengths of um, velocity, and that's all conditioning because of the soft first up run. It is more battle-ready now, and therefore there's a big chance that the stable would have a high probability of running to what it did at Flemington last campaign of plus 1.7, 11th best. That was on the 18th of the second, Ralphie. That's what it all points to. And I feel that the, the pace is going to help the horse as well. Should, should get a lovely run there for, uh, on the grid. Yep. A uh, couple other quick ones, just for uh, particularly for Maltese. Torajin's a horse who's always shown a little bit of talent, uh, tapered at the end of its last prep game to Sydney. Bit ambitious, but, you know, you look there at that Sandown run first up. It's real form, Espiona and Pride of Jenny that we just mentioned, and uh, and she also has, has a, uh, an Oaks Day win here last year. So when right, she's good, and she, her jump outs have been promising. Yeah, they have. They've all been very promising. Resume last campaign with a plus one, very positive in terms of performance. I'm I'm a little bit on the negative with the leaders, and because there's a bit of a pack there, and there's going to be good pressure. It's definitely going to be all good for him into the future races. Whilst that gives him the opportunity to be able to run to the number, none of them are going to get lane bias advantages, and they're yep. all going to be a sitting shot. So that's the only reason why I'm a negative on a horse like that. I'd rather be sort of midfield in this race. Well, that, that, that says that Foxy Frieda is a horse that should go in your multis. Well, Foxy Frieda, and I, I you know, wrote to Ataki was sensational yes. as well. <laughs> Abs- the yeah. Well, you have a look at that run. First up, 0.5 below benchmark. Now, we talk about coming off speed and the way you close, and we touched on that see you in heaven, but this run... This was sensational, Ralphie. 3.9 lengths below benchmark first section. Not a fast pace, but a decent pace, right? It's not like they're going 10 lengths below. Between the 8 and the 400, not a big move, just holding its energy, and then the explosion over the last 400, 6.8. That's what I loved about this horse's setup, which sort of gives me a lot of confidence of a couple of things. Number one, crying out for a bit more ground can show all that relaxed capability and does have explosion. And if you want to frank the explosion, well, we can go and frank it. Let's roll the tape back, Ralphie, to December 22, 10.7 above Sandown last 400. Yeah, that's it. And then, and then uh, JB Carr went on it and said, well, we, why don't we put that type of speed at the at the uh, start of the race rather than yep. the end of the race? Correct. <laughs> so, so that's when it worked. Yeah, so why, why not a horse like that, particularly if you're playing multis, Ralphie, yes. at a decent price that has to be respected as well? Nice. All right. Now, I mentioned Chautauqua. This was the race he won that emerged, and you said this mm-hmm. was the best sprinter in the country, but that was then. This is now. There's a, there's another emerging horse in Benedetta. Now, we haven't uh, we haven't uh, found anything of, uh, of value yet with two odds on races, oh, but this, no. one's, this one's interesting. This was really interesting. I, I was obviously do my work before before your, your, your work comes through. I thought you'd give this a little bit of a stab. This is King of Sparta. He's a very, yep. very nice horse. So firstly, before we uh, get to the individual breakdowns, how are you expecting the pace of this race? Well, <laughs> the, the, the straight races. Yeah. It, it, it's a chessboard, right? Yep. Beauty is this. It's a small field. What's the chances of a split? Probably low. Yep. So are we going to fan to the inside or we're going to run up the middle? And it's the old story. If we run up the middle, we're going to run softly. There's going to be 
you know, the pace is going to be dramatically different. And what I mean by dramatically, don't be surprised if we're running benchmark to minus five. If we run to the inside, then we're going to be benchmark plus two. Now, I'm not making a forecast for the outside because I'm, I'm predictability. I'm predicting that that probability is like less than 10%, even though one should give that some consideration. Is there a chance anyone's going to want to do that? Uh, well, I, I'm, right now I've got to say no, but who knows like late in the day. So we've got to watch what happens during the course of the day and how the boys are wanting to ride that track. And then we'll see because if they all roll, let's say they all roll to the to the right and go to the outside, then it's going to be game on all the way, Ralphie. It's going to be real pressure. And that's going to make it tough for most horses. Uh, no doubt. All right, well, let's have a look at that chessboard again because uh, be- best of last prep, uh, Benedetta is favourite, 1.9 lengths above benchmark. She's probably looking like she's going to run to that, Vince, with two terrific uh, runs, both wins against the, uh, well, firstly, a, a benchmark 84, then against Mares. Now we, now she takes on the older sprinters, but that best uh, that PB that's sitting there, that was this track, this distance. Yeah, and there's, and there's lots of confidence as well that the, if you want to measure in other ways of how does a horse improve, just look at the straight line speed that it showed at Caulfield over that last 350 metres. But the last 400 was plus 5.4. And if you roll the tape back and you just have a look at last campaign, this is touching on the run you were talking about at Flemington back in March, off a slightly slower first section, its last 400 was 3.4 above. This is further confirmation about the, the typical things that happens from fillies to mares, how they get stronger, and you can see that strength shining through in its capability on how well it closed off good, solid race pace. So there's a lot of confidence from that point of view. Now, where they go will be important for this horse. No doubt about it. I feel that's going to be one of the most important things about where do they go. Do they run up the middle? If they run up the middle, then there's a number of horses that have got the same capacity to sprint extremely dynamically, and and they all have the capability of running that sort of plus three, plus five range. If they roll and they go to the inside, that's probably Benedict's best chance of being well, able to win again. Right, so you expect it to run well, but here's the challenges uh, of a couple of them, and we, we can see this in your grid, the IVR profile. So yep. at the moment, plus 1.9 is her best. King of Sparta, uh, I'll get to him uh, next, actually. So his best is 2.6. Um, I would think he's, he's coming to play because that was a very nice barrier trial, and first up last prep at Doombin, that's exactly what he did. He won first up last prep with a good, sharp time. Well, it is very important. I mean, I... I personally had high expectations of this horse last campaign. I was probably a little bit disappointed. and But then when you sit back now, maybe at that time, I probably didn't look at it in the same way. But let's just look at this. Look at how well they spaced out all the runs. But I felt that the horse in the end probably had too much racing. Yep. They tried lots of things. Now, if they're a bit more targeted and they have more strategy and – we know how well the Snowdens can do this, then we could get really excited about this horse. And <laughs> for sustained speed over the last 800 metres is what I'm looking at here. If we're running up the middle and we're looking at that sustained pace, this horse 
sets us up sensationally. And we only have to go back to the first up run last campaign at Doombin where it got the 2.6. And this is the reason why I've just, I wanted to use that as a qualifying run. Because I'm sort of saying 50-50 rolling to the inside, 50-50 in the middle, right? Yep. And you look at what it did. 3.3 lengths below benchmark first section. Excellent move between the 8 and the 400, going 2.4 faster than standard, and then 6.5 lengths above benchmark last 400. So now you can see, if we put the lens back and say, that would test Benedetta big time, right? Yep. In terms of that last 400. I'm not sure 100% if Benedetta can make that massive extension in the mid-race than to be able to match motors, particularly if they start to roll to the inside, then it'll become a true test. But I see King of Sparta, if we're in the middle or rolling to the inside, it's hard for me to see Blake Shin make a mistake. And mind you, I felt that that, that was the other huge signal about the intention. <laughs> He's going all right, Shitty, isn't he? Absolutely. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, so so this is where I, I wanted to highlight the, the, from a value point of, point of view. I mean, Benedetta's mid-twos, King of Sparta, $7. If he brings his A game, he'll be in the finish full stop. Well, the reality is this. The hurdle rate's plus 1.1. Yep. So let's look at this. The last run in the campaign for King Sparta was plus one. Yes. Over thirteen hundred, so why not? Um, his his track distance miss was uh, was um, back in August uh, two thousand and twenty two, so last year. Mm-hmm. He over raced badly and was on soft ground, so that won't be a problem tomorrow because uh, mm-hmm. you, you're saying there should be nice speed and also um, also <laughs> we know it won't be soft ground, which is good. Well, King of Sparta needs clean ground. Yeah, uh, look, most horses do, Ralph. If you're any good, that's what they want. Clean that's ground. It. Absolutely. So Star Patrol, so he's had a little minor soft pallet operation, they said. His jump outs have been good. Um, he'd be he'd be a fair bet if uh, you were absolutely guaranteed he was turning up with his Anzac Day win of uh, last year. But I suppose that it's still trust required in, in that situation. Well, if jump outs are anything to go by, it was, it was a winning jump out. Yeah. Right. So if we're looking at it from that perspective, you'd say, oh, my goodness, they got this horse back. But we've got to turn up now and run in the race. And the reality is this, it is a lot to do with how they're going to tackle this horse in terms of what are they going to do race pace-wise. That's the big key. If they're going to play the sit and sprint game, I feel that that probably doesn't help the horse. So it's another horse that I feel does need pace in the race to make sure it gets its best chance. But at one stage, you know, we, we were looking at, could this horse be the new emerging sprinting star? And we don't have to go back a long way to see that potential. We've just got to go back to sort of April of last year. Yeah. This horse was showing those signs and then sort of backed it up at Flemington. So we do know this horse loves Flemington and loves straight line racing. So he's got the talent and he's just yep. got to bring it. But what you're saying is the jump out said they, they probably have got it right. Yeah, oh, if I was going purely on, well, if King of Sparta and Bernadetta was there, then I'd be willing to chance my arm on the horse and take a little bit of a calculated risk on it because I know when they trial that run well, they run big. That's good. Uh, now, so it's our time. What's your expectation here? He's rock solid, he's rock hard fit, and he loves his track and distance. What's your expectation level with him? Well, that's the edge the horse gets, isn't it? Yeah. That, that's the immediate edge. If there's another run, if there's another run, then hallelujah, they'd be pretty excited. 
I'm taking a position, and I love O'Brien as a stable and what they're capable of doing. I'm just sitting here taking the position. Here we are, another 28 days between run. How many more times are you going to go to the well? And you do have to run beyond yourself. That's that's the only negative I see. But I didn't want to completely rule it out. A, I know a lot of people like to run multis. You have to have it there because it's the fittest horse in the field. And if there's pressure, Rolfie, you know that horse is going to still be there because conditioning isn't going to be the disadvantage. Now, I'll just finish with one horse I want to ask you about because uh, he's not, not in the grid at the moment, but um, but this charter house. So we, we've only seen him twice. We're, we're, we've got, what, 40 years of, of intel now to say the imports can be get some speed in their legs uh, when when trained by Australian trainers. Uh, but generally, they're at middle distance horses, you know, stayers who have been imported mm-hmm. over. This one's a miler from, from uh, Ireland and... Two starts, both were sharp, and both said he's got some talent. Now he's he's had a nothing jump out in traffic when they didn't ask him to do anything. Has he got some some upside? Well, I don't feel that the numbers that were sort of coming out of those two performances in Australia, they were both at Flemington, is probably the correct signal. Yep. But I don't think we're going to see it here. I mean, if we do, well, I'd love to have that talk, discussion with you on Monday, right? <laughs> yeah. But... You know, everything points that I did go and have a look at its 1200 meter profile, not necessarily a couple of days ago, but in the past when I was profiling this horse. And I just feel that this horse at this distance is at least five lengths inferior to what its true capability is. And it, I'm sure they'd be looking for a big run, yep, a positive run, and they could get that, right? Uh, oh, to make money though. Well, Rolfie, if King of Sparta does nothing, Benedetta doesn't turn up, Star Patrol doesn't deliver anything and we're just left with it's our time maybe there you go <laughs> well it sounds like in summary you king of sparta with the place on side looks a nice option that seven dollar range i just feel that's terrific and all i'm going to be worried about if is let's see how they play with the lanes early in the day before making that final chess move Last race in the program, 1700. It's an open handicap. This is a really interesting race, I reckon. And also, what's unusual about it for this distance, there's so many horses that are resuming, but uh, we, uh, we've got two horses that uh, that probably dominate the market at the moment. There's a third I'm really, really keen to ask you about, but it starts with Devoted, who was good at Caulfield, and Carini only had one Australian start. Good money for it. So the, the intel was there that this has got a horse, a horse with a fair bit of ability with Danny O'Brien. Probably did enough to say that uh, it's uh, it's got some talent and it will thrive jumping from 1,400 to 1,700. How do you see the pace in this race, firstly? Yeah, good pace, Ralphie, for sure. And this is one of these things with 1,700 metres. Generally speaking, they're truly overextended. And if they run with an explosive manner, then we could see a race where they could go five, six, seven lengths faster than standard. And that generally makes it hard for horses to to sort of be able to come into the lanes and get any advantage out of them. And if they run more orderly, and more orderly for me here is like plus two or three, Ralphie, right? I, I do I see no scenario of a sit-up and run below benchmark. I just don't see it. But then again, that's what I thought last week in one of the races. <laughs> that's right. And it didn't happen. Yeah, absolutely. It can happen. So um, with Devoted, it's on top. It was terrific at Caulfield. Monster jockey change with Blake Shinner uh, replacing The Apprentice, who it must be said, rode the horse absolutely perfectly. But Blinker's first time's interesting after a win like that as, as well. I'm trying to trying to get my head around the, why they would do that, but that's, that's, that's for them to decide. What's to decide for you is uh, at what level of expectation? 
Yeah, well, if you look at what this horse was doing at Ascot, yep, you would almost say tw- the 1,400 last start was a disadvantage. Right. And it won. All the intel says this horse is a miler plus. And we just peel back the tape and have a look at it. Go to the 29th of the 10th, 22, last year. Yep. There it is, 1,400 metres, 3.6 lengths below benchmark, first section. Reasonable, but a nice pace in the mid-race, Ralphie, going two and a half above. Explosive over the last 400, 7.1. There was a backup. Went to 1,500 and turned around and did the same thing. Slightly softer pace, but magnificent extension in the mid-race. Of almost 10 lengths, Ralphie, that sort of was the first sign for me where I could see genuine sustained speed in a horse and then the and then the last 400 metres pretty much match the run before. And then they come back to the 1,400. I don't know what they were experimenting. And there it was, you know, they've gone in a reverse shape. They've yeah. asked the horse to, you know, be in a race where they've gone 2.3 above, pretty much maintained it. Again, there's the sign of being able to show sustained speed. And that horse... The first 600 going plus 2.3, and then the next 400 metres have gone plus 2.9, actually gone faster before weakening. And mind you, I felt that that horse was disadvantaged between the four and the two and ran better than what I expected on that day. I reckon they've got this right. This is exactly what they should be doing, getting up to this distance. Um, The blinkers, they must know something, Ralphie. I I don't know why else you would do it. So they could be in a mindset with having Blake Shin on board and with the blinkers, they probably want to showcase his best to see if it's going to be able to stand up to even more complicated races than this. Stakes races from here. Yeah, Yeah. fair enough. All right, well, I'll ask you about the other favourite now, Sakurini. Like I said, good market support. Blake Shin off, but that would be absolutely due to its uh, its light weight. He's no way he'd have to chop chop a leg off to ride at 53 kilograms. Mm -hmm. So that would be be the reason there rather than uh, Blake's lack of confidence. We don't know, of course, but uh, we we do know that he he couldn't make this weight. What did you see in Karini and what's your expectation tomorrow? Well, pretty long break that it came off and – they would have been pretty happy to stable, I'd imagine, because no sort of pressure through the first section. Going 9.6 below. Loved the the run in the mid-race, though. It was almost 12 lengths, Rolfi, which is fantastic. Good, strong last 400 metres, 2.5 above. Again, giving the signal that the horse is feeling well and looking forward to the step-up. This horse will love the step-up as well, for sure. It's going to thrive on that. The question now is... How far above benchmark can you go and are you capable of running a required hurdle rate of 0.4 above? Well, I'd say absolutely can easily smash the 0.4 above. So I can't get it any higher on the grid at the moment and it's sort of just sitting on the fringe. But if they run to the forecast a good pace, Ralphie, then this horse is going to get every chance. Uh, I know your numbers don't reflect this, but I'll just bring it up as a, as a factor uh, in that market intel. Actually, on the day, uh, well, there is one thing that your numbers do reflect. Devoted was thirteen dollars. Carini was five fifty, so half the price. And what you say, what you did say there though, was the mid race was significantly better than Devoted. So you got a little line there. Of course, Devoted then improved again when it won since. Yep. 
So that, that, that's, that's a little lineup there. Second in your most advantage, splitting the, these runners, uh, Flash Flood. Well, he's just a rock-solid competitor. He's deep into his prep, but uh, you go broke risking Mar Eustace horses deep in their prep, don't you? Well, you do, and the thing is, <laughs> yeah, the thing is, like, I'm favouring the on-pace runners because if they're solid speed, you know how hard it is to be able to storm home and win, right? Yeah. Because everybody's out of bullets because you have to run faster. Everyone's got to run faster, and therefore most horses will run out of their comfort zone. And that's probably the only thing that might defeat a horse like Carini. So Macram is a horse who's won twice in Australia, both second up, both Fleming and 1,700. There's no way they haven't targeted this race. Had a short break. It uh, it, it resumed at Caulfield there um, when um, when sort of a midfield run, but with a tempo against. Tell us about that mid-race because that sort of says uh, he, he can run to his best here. Well, I felt... I felt that um, this horse's performance was probably better than Carini's from a first-up perspective. 11.4 below benchmark first section. Yep. Super slow. But look at, this, look at the extension in the mid-race. I mean, it's made a, 60, a, a, more than, a higher than 16 lengths mid-race squeeze, which is huge exertion. And then there's the backup. Still produced a plus 3.6 last 400, 3.6 lengths faster than standard. I looked at the, the, there's that fraction there where the horse between the four and the two probably didn't get the most efficiency out of its energy. It was about a 1.3 length taper right at that point. But I was surprised that usually when they're first up, Ralphie, what happens is this. They, they have a negative finish whenever they get a little bit of misuse of energy close to the finish line. But this horse actually went faster, which I thought, wow, okay. Is it to do with the fact that it was only 17 day, 70 days between runs and therefore the horse was still carrying good residual fitness? Probably. it's it, That's a possibility. But it, it can't be denied the way this horse showed its sustained speed and just just sort of gives me the indicator there was a little bit more there as well. Now, what does that all mean? It just means you're trending the benchmark. Yep. So it's still, it's still got a challenge to beat a couple of horses. Of right? course. That, that level. But $14 is uh, is an interesting price. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that price was taken, to be honest, because, uh, you know, the, the, the pattern players love track distance, good trainer, good jockey, uh, you know, and so it's got that in its favour. So it'll be interesting what the market does with it. But you've outlined your case for the numbers. And and the one to, to finish with here is Sabak. This is a really interesting runner here because I do get why Blinkers got back on this horse. Right. Okay, look, explain that to me. Well, I just think that um, that it, it's needed two conditioning runs because it started the prep with the blinkers off, yep. had the two runs. Damien Lane sticks with the horse. Uh, for, uh, last start at Caulfield, it had Lane disadvantage because the tra- the the, uh, the rail was was out, so those swoopers were there. It uh, it stayed to the inside uh, of the lanes. It went forward, and now it's fit, and it's since had a jump out as well in very Sydney style, Vince. Yeah, well. Fair enough to, if we go all the way back to sort of November 22 and that horse can bring that type of profile where we're in plus 4.1, then we're probably wasting a lot of discussions about all the other horses because no one's going to get near that number tomorrow, right? And so, so this room. is Rose Hill over 1,800 metres, 5th of uh, November is the run. Ellsberg, the Derby winner, uh, sorry, not the Derby, the Epsom winner won the race narrowly by a nose over Sabak. So you're saying that was a really monster figure. Well, this is it. So if you, even if it ran to half that number, right, yep. you would be shaking your boots to want to take it on, right? Yeah. That's that's the reality. Now, the, the facts are this, though. Since then, 
this horse has done nothing in my view, right? Yes. In terms of getting somewhere to challenge that performance, it just hasn't done it. And we know the Annabelle Nisham stable, they're very good at having their horses ready early. And there was plenty of proof there in that first up run that this horse was in great shape, fourth best of the day. Yes, it was an overall negative figure of minus 1.1, but the strength was there. It was virtually bench, just slightly below benchmark from start to finish and, and slightly above in the in the mid-race, therefore giving you a lot of confidence. This horse is fit. And then went to Caulfield. Uh, that, just the structure of that race and had, the way it had to use all the energy in the mid-race may have tanked it out or... Maybe this horse isn't going to come to that form of glory anymore. Well, this is why I, I just what, what I like is that when a, when a gun jockey sticks off a run yep. that's just so so, and there's a gear change, that tells me the gun jockey said put the put the shades on. Well, because if they don't, you know the answer. That's right. Yeah. So if he felt if he th- thought the horse gave him nothing, Damien Lane wouldn't waste his time getting on the horse. So no, no. But that, that's the interesting one there. All right. So that's that's the documentation there. Of course, tomorrow we'll talk business once the final edition race speed profiles go come out. Let, let's uh, pick up the pace above benchmark here for a couple of the look at the other races. Vince, we'll go start from uh, race six and work backwards. Uh, Legacies is very tight price. Is it entitled to be in this big field? Legacies, this is in race six. In race six, yeah. It was terrific first up. We put the big sizzlers on it. but uh, And the, I suppose the question is, where's the uh, where's the strength against it, if there is any? Well, it's a race where you need benchmark. But the the profile of the race is sort of saying horses all the way down to 3.8 lengths below benchmark are capable of being competitive. Right. Which is, oh, I find that pretty interesting. And at the top of the grid, if I look at like where we are on the top of the grid, there there are three runners there. They're all on that sort of benchmark range, is what I'm going to call it at the moment. While the pace of the race is going to be huge here, this is going to be critical. A big field like this, Ralphie. Let's. I look at like this. I don't like to waste energy. Yep. And up the straight, you know, even if I was like came from Mars. Just to do this race, I wouldn't be able to work it out, Ralphie. I mean, <laughs> so, where are they going to go? Where are they going to go? They're going to go up the middle, down the side. Are they going to split three ways? <laughs> I'm not that good. I'm definitely not Nostradamus. Right. Actually, hang on. I've got to stop. So I've got this wrong. I was looking at legacies in race five. This is race I know six. That, yeah. yeah. So this is race six. What you're saying is it's very, very open. But we did put a, a stamp on skirt the, skirt the law uh, from what it did first up when it ran uh, when it ran second to uh, to Charmstone, who then won again last week. Um, so it's a, it's a starting point. Are you just saying this is a, this is just such a throw at the dartboard that uh, it won't be something that will entice you? Well, it's an important race in terms of where they are, you know, on the calendar as yep. far as what's going to happen. But it's just so hard, right? Yep. I do have an expectation that one of the horses that are, you know, like this is Skirt the Law, Steel City, Estriella, I do expect them all to run dynamically, right, and at least be able to put down a performance somewhere on or around benchmark, and that's going to make you competitive. But it's a race isn't just about that. The race is also about... Let's look at the riders that are on there. Like, and I look at the riders and say, okay, Johnny Allen, well, he can do all sorts of things, but he's a cowboy, right? So <laughs> he could be one of the, the one of the riders that could create chaos, right, about where you're going to go. Yeah. Right? It could be, right? It's possible. What's Ryan Maloney going to do on Squirt the Law? 
what's Ethan Brown going to do on Steel City? You know, here we are, one straw on the inside, the Steel City. Two, where where's that going? Well, that's going to be inside to midfield at best, right? Yeah. Then I look at Estriel. He's right in the middle of the pack. This is Johnny Allen, right? He could go anywhere, right? And then I look at Skirt the Lawn. So that's interesting. Drawn twenty three. Where are you going? Yes. To the extreme outside, because maybe the extreme outside side's going to be super speed. And this is all about my view, setting everything up for later in the day to learn from. Yes. Yes. Got you. All right. So that, that's that's race six now to get the legacies. Race five. Yes. This yes. is this is a bit more certain as far as uh, you know. We're round abandoned at fourteen hundred. You got some yep. got, got more of a handle on it. Let, let's ask that question again. Is she no, entitled? No. To, is she entitled to be uh, deep in the market? Is she entitled to be deep in the market? Well, there's not well, a lot. Minus one is your hurdle rate. Well, that helps you a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, it's the only horse at the moment that's broken benchmark in terms of leading into this race. And that horse did run right on benchmark last start. Eighth best of the day is probably one of the key takeaways for me. I actually like the run a lot, Ralphie. Firstly, if I just go back to last campaign, when it smashed the competition and was travelling almost nine lengths faster than standard, it shows you the versatility it has. Yep. And here, to go out first up and go 2.1 lengths below benchmark, that means the horse is running with plenty in reserve. The mid-race was reasonable, you know, 2.7 lengths above. And there's the proof, though, at the end. Good, solid run. We have a taper of 2.2 lengths over the last 200 metres. The big signal, that's all conditioning. Every millimetre of that is. And why I like to highlight that is this, Ralph, because when you're confident you know that's all conditioning, you can utilise a lot of that loss of velocity in terms of stacking on top of what your expectations are. So when I do my graph and say, okay, well, I know you're a benchmark horse. You've outstripped what you did last campaign. You've had a big taper at the end. Or not a big one, but a significant one off that race shape of around, what is it? It's it's a taper of 2.2 lengths. At the low, you're going to add one. So if I add one, say, so okay, we're plus one. That's the expectation. It, where are you going to be drawn? Who's the rider? So I look at the rider and say, Jamie Carr. You know Jamie Carr, Ralphie. Jamie Carr runs to the blend of the horse. Yes. Then I say, step number two, what type of pattern horse are you? Leader, stalker. Stalker, slightly further back. Get the golden race shape. Got the right rider to suit. Indicators are you're going to be a big improver off the first up run conditioning-wise. And... If you run below benchmark, that's probably one of the only reasons you'll get beaten. Nice. And the grand final, I would assume, is in two weeks in the Group 1 in Sydney. So she, you just graph line there. She's entitled to be the short price years. Any uh, any left field runners or will you just move on? There's always potential with yep. a few horses. Like Griff could be a big potential runner that I'm very keen to have a look at. But it's probably not the sort of horse I want to, uh, you know, obviously participate on tomorrow, right? Yep. But I am keen to see that. I'm also keen to see how the seven runs, Mojave Desert. Mojave Yep, Mojave Desert. Yep, I'm keen to see how that horse performs as well. It's another runner that's just slightly below benchmark, but it does have a good profile of 1,400 metres. Uh, yeah, probably a less, to a lesser ex- extent a horse like Gadgetano, but... Uh, 
I am picking at straws when I start looking at the rest, Ralphie. It's about the favourite. All right, so and the race four is a really interesting race. Gee, I think there's going to be some good horses emerging about it, but uh, financially that, that means we still have to keep our, our head on because there'll, there'll be horses that turn up tomorrow who will smash the line who won't win and the stables will be happy, but that won't uh, help you if you're a punter. So Peffert City is one, uh, one of the boom horses. King's Gambit was a boom horse when it won on debut uh, and there are other horses of talent here. You've ended up with Lakota Fire as on, on, at the moment on your most advantage, which is a surprise given its big odds. Well, if I just look at what it did at Mooney Valley, now I'm not sure whether I should be taking that all in, but there was plenty of signs there that this horse's performance of 0.5 above, ranked eighth best of the day, was like right on the button. Yep. And the question mark is this, and I'm assuming one of the reasons why it's a price is can that take that next step and actually deliver at 1,100 metres. Well, I'm, I'm overlooking the Werribee performance because of the ground conditions. And if you just look at that day, it came out very well through the first section and then there was nothing because that track was so wet, right? It was yeah. it was a hitch in front of it. That Mooney Valley run was a lot, a lot more like what I expect to see what happens here. The pace of the race was the big thing for me. If they were going to go fast, I probably would have been looking to give it the 0.8 below benchmark in this race, and that therefore maybe just sitting still in the top four, but a little bit cold, as I would call it, like a bit a bit soft on it. But I, I just sit back and say, well, that Morphville run, you had a slow down in the mid race, you still managed to kick. In the you know and accelerate off that pace and have a little bit of negative towards the end of the race, showing you that you had condition to come. Came to Moonley Valley, good race pace all the way. Why not give this horse a chance at this distance range? And I just see when I see races like this, where I feel it's going to be run orderly, usually the class in the race prevails. So if it can make the step up, then it's it's a horse that I I find that it's hard not to see it being competitive. All right, so in 30 seconds, King's Gambit, been nice trials. So you've been happy with what, what it's shown in the clock? Uh, yeah. I'm talking about visually. What's it shown in the well, clock that's the in the horse trials? To beat. That's the that's, horse to beat. Right. Yeah. Right. This is the horse to beat. No question, right? Rock solid benchmark last campaign. I have no doubt we're nowhere near seeing what this horse is capable of doing. And I feel that it gets the golden race shape to run something like what it did in its first two starts, you know, with the booming close. Yeah. And that could be too much for this field. And Pivot City, uh, I'm sure our punters want to know, what have you seen on the clock? It's since it also had a, had a uh, barrier trial win, so that's, uh, it's obviously in good order. Mick Price said as soon as it won that they're going to set it for the Coolmore. He's, he's not usually a spruker under that circumstance, so the stables have obviously got big opinions. What have you been able to assess from it? Well, one thing's for sure, the performance of Bendigo, which is what we've seen, right? Yeah. And it's, I, I know it's a negative 2.3. Best of the day. If you can make a call on reshaping the 10 length slowdown between the eight and the four, right? Yep. Then this horse has got the ability, and I, I went and looked at the micro fractions, particularly what happened between the six and the 400, to give me like a real gauge about how much you, you can allow. Then there is this chance that this horse could run, obviously, 2.3 on the low, yep. or as fast as plus two or three. So there's your answer. 
We're going to learn more. All right, and for those looking at, uh, at a couple of shorties, we'll finish with this and obviously talk business tomorrow. Antino, good horse from Queensland, really good horse. Detonated Jack, couldn't have done much more first up under a very unusual sprint shape in that it was such a slow tempo race shape. Uh, what's your expectations in race three? Well, I think we're going to get some money. Which buyer? That's, that's what my expectations are. Well, firstly, Antino, that's the place to start. Yep. I love that they got this horse here. Yep. So I'm looking for a positive yard parade. No illusions. This is the class runner in the field, probably from Denonated Jack. And then after that, you know, good luck to everybody else personally. Very nice. And good luck to everyone. Uh, tomorrow, like I said, we'll talk business. We'll go through each race just from a pure uh, betting perspective if you're getting this service for the first time. And you'll get that with the Race Speed Profiles final edition once uh, scratches have come out and any any further thoughts there. But in the meantime, thanks so much for being a customer of our year-round carnival preview edition. <laughs>